All right, y'all, welcome to the Scott Horton Show. I'm the director of the Libertarian Institute, editorial director of Antiwar.com, author of the book Fool's Errand, Time to End the War in Afghanistan, and the brand new Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism. And I've recorded more than 5,500 interviews since 2003, almost all on foreign policy and all available for you at scotthorton.org. You can sign up for the podcast feed there. And the full interview archive is also available at youtube.com slash Scott Horton Show. All right, you guys. Up next is Leonard Goodman. He's a lawyer from Chicago and uh, teaches law at DePaul as well. And he's representing the Uhuru movement, another extremely important free speech case uh, going on right now. Uh, welcome to the show. How you doing? Good. How are you, Scott? Thanks I'm doing great. Uh, appreciate you joining us today. So um, this is, you know, I don't know what it is. It, part just free speech case, but part also Russiagate kookery going on here. And, you know... If you think about, like, the, the deflation of all the liberals when the Mueller report came out and they got nothing, you know, and now right. here we are years later and they're like, oh, we got some black leftists. Let's, this is like the bastard step-grandson of Russiagate, you know, like long after even Ukraine gate is over and all of that. It's just the craziest thing. So anyway, I'm already editorializing too much. Can you please tell us what in the world is the African People's Socialist Party and why are they going to prison? Well, well, first of all, hopefully they're not going to prison. And uh, yeah, there's, yeah, I'm one of the lawyers on the case. There's, I think, four other lawyers, really great lawyers that are, uh, you know, I think we're all, you know, working very hard to make sure um, the that our clients uh, are acquitted, and um, as you say, it's it's a really it's it's a really troubling, dangerous case. It it is an outgrowth of RussiaGate. There's no question. It's also directly related to the war in Ukraine because so the African People's Socialist Party has been around since I think 1972. The leader Omali Yeshitela founded it in 1972. Um, yeah, they're a black leftist group. They're activists. They are you know, opposed to colonialism. They unite with African people all over the globe. Um, and I think what, you know, and they've been on the target. I mean, they've had, the FBI has had um, issues with the African People's Socialist Party over the years. But the thing is, they're nonviolent. Um, they are they have a, a pretty large following and they have their own, they, they have the ability to speak directly to their supporters because they have their own newspaper, they have a radio station. And so they don't, they're harder to censor, I would say, which I think is, is important. You know, they, they don't have to speak through Google or, you know, Facebook. So I think that makes them somewhat of a threat. But yes, they've been critics of the U.S. government for 50 years. They, this indictment directly challenges their views in support of the war in Ukraine. But those views didn't change. So in 2014, for example, the chairman was making speeches and publishing articles in their newspaper, which is called The Burning Spear, about the coup 
in Ukraine and the overthrow of the democratically elected president of Ukraine in 2014 and the involvement of the CIA, and they were harsh critics of that. Um, they were harsh critics of U.S. involvement in, in arming Ukraine and in and in NATO expansion throughout the years. So you could look back, you know, five minutes of research in the Burning Spear paper will show you. I mean, this is long held views. Um, they opposed NATO expanding to the east and provoking Russia. They opposed arming Ukraine and threatening Russia with NATO weapons. Um, so this is all um, this is all longstanding beliefs. What the indictment alleges is that, well, first of all, it, the indictment goes back to 2015, but they were not. The, the, the feds started got it got involved after um, the invade the Russia's invasion in in February of 2022, and the chairman and the party were vocal opponents of U.S. support for Ukraine. And in fact, um, the the chairman gave a speech shortly after the war where he described Ukraine as a country armed to the teeth by the white colonizers, a place that Russia could not retreat anymore, and a dagger pointed right at the heart of Russia. So this was a, a speeches that he gave in February and March of 2022. In July, their personal homes and their offices are raided. All of their computers and files are taken. They're raided by armed FBI agents, basically a SWAT team with with like grenades, flash grenades. And um, then shortly after that, they're indicted and charged under this obscure statute, um, Section 9, uh, 18 U.S.C. 951, which charges them with being unregistered Russian agents. And what the indictment alleges is that after the chairman took a trip to Moscow in 2015, um, after that, he became a Russian agent and was uh, spreading Russian propaganda and disinformation. Now, of course, as I said, their views didn't change in any way. And the government doesn't even really allege that they changed. They just say that now he's speaking for Russia and um, they're spreading Russian disinformation and propaganda. And, and one very interesting fact is that uh, they've conceded because we said, well, what is the disinformation that they're spreading? Because what they're saying is identical to you know, what prominent intellectuals in the U.S. are saying, like Jeffrey Sachs or John Mersheimer, about um, you know, the, the U.S. and the NATO expansion and, and provoking Russia and the danger, which has been understood, you know, as you've talked about, for, for many years, um, that, that you know, Ukraine was really an existential point for for Russia. They can't let Ukraine uh, be a NATO um, NATO armed state on their border. So um, the government's response to that is that, well, when we say disinformation, it doesn't mean false information. It means information that helps Russia. Um, and they cite, in fact, they're going to call at trial, if the case makes it to trial, they're going to call two experts on Russia to talk about Russia tradecraft and how you know, if you say these things, you're helping Russia, even if they're true. That's hilarious. Uh, I mean, did the judge bust out laughing when they said that in court? The misinformation also includes true things that we just wish that you wouldn't think about, Your Honor? I I wish, but no, the judge is, you know, I, I think, I, I can't really get into the mind of the judge, but right now, 
Um, this case, the, the motion to dismiss, so I, I maybe skipped over that. So we filed a motion to dismiss uh, based on the First Amendment. Right. And, and know, my fault, because I asked two broader questions there. Yeah. But that's that's the occasion of the interview here is that the case is going ahead, right? Well, so here's where we're at. We filed a motion to dismiss, and, and there was really good Supreme Court laws. I, it's with Supreme Court law on the First Amendment. So, for example, we the, probably the case we relied on centrally is a case DeJong. I think it's DeJong versus Oregon. It's a 1937 case, and um, in that case, the um, Oregon struck the, the Supreme Court struck down uh, the conviction of a citizen who was speaking on behalf of the Communist Party, and the Supreme Court said that the only question to ask is whether the speech transcends the bound of freedom of speech, which the Constitution protects. So you look at the utterances, um, and if those are lawful, then the speech is lawful. It doesn't matter if the speaker is connected to the Communist Party um, or Russia or whatever. You look at the contents of the speech. So that seems to be pretty definitive law from 1937 that said this, this indictment is unconstitutional because there is no argument here that any of their speech was unlawful so you obviously you mm -hmm. you know under the first amendment you know it doesn't protect if you incite a riot right. um if you incite you know immediate unlawful violence that's not protected it doesn't protect obscenity it doesn't protect crime so if you use speech to commit the crime of espionage or fraud that's not protected speech well, it's conceded here that nothing that they, none of their speeches or their articles transcended the bounds of protected speech. So this case is, it really goes right to the heart of the First Amendment. And what, so, so we filed a motion to dismiss. It was heard by the magistrate judge. It was, we argued it back in September and he issued his opinion about three weeks ago. Well, the magistrate can only make a recommendation. So it's up to the district judge uh, to decide whether to dismiss the case. So the magistrate finally issued his recommendation about three weeks ago, and he recommended uh, denying the motion. And his, his logic was that, yes, free speech is protected, but if you speak on behalf of a foreign government, that is an act, and that, can't, that loses its First Amendment protection. This is mm -hmm. a completely unprecedented ruling. There's no Supreme Court case that supports it. Um, and now we filed an objection to the magistrate judge and asked the, the magistrate judge to reject, I'm sorry, we asked the district court judge, who is the Article Three judge who has the power um, to reject the recommendation of the magistrate. I so see. that's where we're at right now and we'll see. I, and I'm, I'm hopeful that the district judge is not gonna wanna sign his name to um, a ruling that really blows a hole in the First Amendment. Because if you say we're speaking for, you're speaking on behalf of a foreign government, you're speaking for Russia, which is, you know, the Russia gate, but basically that, you know, has been going on for, for five years, as you point out, the, the Russia gate hoax, um, then you can remove protection. You can remove First Amendment protection from speech. I mean, that simply can't stand. Mm -hmm. So Well, but are, so are you really arguing that the Foreign Agent Registration Act itself is unconstitutional? 
No, because well, first of all, this isn't a far. It's a little bit different. This this statute is worse than FARA. It's rarely used, but FARA is the Foreign Agent Registration Act, which also has criminal penalties. But the the, the reason why they couldn't charge them under FARA is because FARA has a willfulness requirement. So they would have to show that there are sophisticated people that knew, like lobbyists or something like that, where mm-hmm. they knew they had an obligation. So in this to case, they're register. saying that they took some money. But who did they take money from? A Russian so the, or a Russian alle- spy? Yeah, the allegation and the indictment is, well, after after the chairman uh, traveled to Moscow in 2015, participated in a conference, he developed a relationship with a Russian national, a man named Ayanov. And the government alleges that Ayanov is connected to the Kremlin. Like whether that's true or not, we, we really don't know. It's a matter in dispute. But they allege he's connected to the Kremlin. So basically he took, uh, so when he d- d- developed this relationship, um, it was a relationship with the Kremlin. Um, but in terms of the money, they received over six years of their alleged relationship with this guy, Ayanov. They received about $7,000. Most of it was to support a speaking tour in 2016, I believe, um, on the issue of reparations, uh, which is an issue that they've you know, which is one of the issues that they've championed since 1972. Um, so, you know, it's it's pretty absurd. But but mm-hmm. most of the money that they received was about yeah about seven thousand dollars in in 2016, and it didn't even cover their speaking tour. I mean, they had you know they had brought witnesses along. They had people. They went to four different cities. So you know. Their budget, I think, was something like twelve, thirteen thousand dollars. Yeah. So it didn't even cover their out-of-pocket expenses for one event. Um, so to say that by receiving this, allegedly receiving this money, um, that they became Russian agents is is kind of strange credulity. Um, that what all about of a sudden precedent? Said, I, I, you know, you mentioned one, I guess, but. Just how completely crazy is this for them to try to take this case? Do you think, I guess as a secondary question, that they're really trying to make an example out of these people so that they can now do this to others based on flimsier type connections? As you say, uh, a statute with you know weaker constraints than even the FARA Act? Yeah. Yeah, because they, there is no, they don't have to prove. It's basically what they call a general intent statute. So it doesn't matter what your state of mind was if you knew, because these people would have had no, I mean, the first they ever heard about some requirement to register was when the FBI showed up at their home at 6, 6 a.m., um, you know, and raided, raided their homes. So, yeah, importantly, yeah. in violent SWAT raids, right? Correct. Uh-huh. Correct. Yeah, so... I can't say what the intention is, but, you know, it, it is quite dangerous. And, you know, to get around, I mean, the absurdity, first of all, it's well known, and we pointed this out to the judge, um, and he did not mention it, and I'm sorry, to the magistrate judge, he didn't mention it in his uh, recommendation, but, you know, the, so think tanks, in Washington, D.C., it's well reported in papers like the, the New York Times. They've received tens of millions of dollars from Gulf states, governments, 
um, to publish op-eds and to uh, try to influence public opinion mm -hmm. about issues that are uh, important to the donors. Mm -hmm. So, and those people are never charged or asked to register under FARA or have their homes um, raided with SWAT teams. Right. Even um, when they have so how, the most bare exploitation of loopholes where they just hire lawyers to then hire lobbyists or, you know, this kind of thing. And Ben Freeman at the Quincy Institute has done these massive studies of yes, all of that. Exactly. And you're talking That's about hundreds correct. and hundreds, thousands of people involved in this. So it's not just like a few favored people. This is how Washington right. operates. As long as you're advocating for what the UAE wants, then that's fine. But exactly. In, exactly. Uh, in this case, cool. that what these black leftists are saying is essentially in line with the people of eastern Ukraine rather than the people of western Ukraine. And so that that's makes right. them the enemy of the state. That's right. And, you know, I. The, sort of the absurdity of it. So for the magistrate to find that your speech, um, basically for the magistrate to get around the Dijon case, which I mentioned, uh, which seems to be right on point, what the magistrate said is here, unlike Dijon, Dijon was, a, this is a content neutral case, according to the magistrate. That means that the, any, any, um, any suppression of speech is incidental to the prosecution. So it's like um, like a time, place, and manner restriction where you say uh, no loud um, noises after 10 o'clock. So you can give your speech, but you have to do it in the afternoon. You can't do it while people are sleeping. That's a time, place, and manner restriction that is content neutral. It's not designed to stop people because of their message. So he's comparing this case to that, whereas the, the just, in the Dijon case, the defendants were targeted because they were connected to the Communist Party. So that's basically the fiction that is um, before before the judge right now. That to say that the government has no interest in their speech, it's only because they're connected to some foreign government, which is clearly absurd. Um, it says right on the face of the indictment that they're being prosecuted for spreading Russian propaganda and disinformation. And plus, you know, it's well known, as we just talked about, that the think tanks do it all the time. They take tens of millions of dollars, not 7,000, but tens of millions of dollars from foreign governments to advocate and to influence public opinion um, and Congress on their behalf. And that's apparently completely fine. So. I don't know how the district judge could sign off on an order saying that this case is a content neutral case. And the government is uh, the fact that they're they're, um, you know, against the war in Ukraine. Now, the one of the points that I made in my objection to the district judge is, well, what if they were taking money from a Ukrainian national in order to have pro-war rallies? Do you really think that they that the federal government would be prosecuting them? Of course not. I mean, nobody could believe that. Um, they're prosecuted because they are prominent critics of the war in Ukraine, and they were critics right at a time when this government is um, trying to sell the war to the American public and get the American public to basically uh, consent to their leaders in Congress spending tens of billions of dollars um, to arm Ukraine and to keep this fuel this war and to keep it going. Yeah.
Hey, y'all, Scott here. Let me tell you about Roberts and Roberts Brokerage, Inc. Who knew? Artificial bank credit expansion leads to price inflation and terribly distorted markets. If you've got any savings left at all, you need to protect them. You need to put some, at least, into precious metals. Well, Roberts and Roberts can set you up with the best deals on silver, gold, platinum, and palladium. And they've been doing this since 1977. Hey, if you just need some sound advice about sound money, they're there for you too. Call Tim Fry and the guys at 800-874-9760. That's 800-874-9760. Or check them out at rrbi.co. That's rrbi.co. You'll be glad you did. Hey, y'all, you should sign up for my Substack. It's scotthortonshow.substack.com. And if you do that, you'll get the interviews a day before everybody else. But not only that, they'll be free of commercials. How do you like that? Pretty good, huh? scotthortonshow.substack.com. Hey, y'all, libertasbella.com is where you get Scott Horton Show and Libertarian Institute shirts, sweatshirts, mugs, and stickers and things, including the great Top Lobsters designs as well. See, that way it says on your shirt why you're so smart. Libertas Bella, from the same great folks who bring you ammo.com for all your ammunition needs, too. That's libertasbella.com. So, yeah, you know, on the Greenwald pretty... show, he, yeah, played a, he played a clip of the founder explicitly denouncing the Russiagate conspiracy theory that it was Russia that was behind the Black Lives Matter movement because they supposedly bought some Facebook ads that encouraged people to show up at a Black Lives Matter rally one time or something. And he's talking about the absolute insult and how ridiculous it is and condescending it is that they're going to say, oh, no, American blacks are perfectly happy with the status quo until the Russians come and make them all uppity again and this kind of thing. And then that's exactly what they're nailing him for. And they're saying, exactly. yeah, but you're only saying that because the Russians paid you off to say that. And meanwhile, and look, this is extremely relevant, although I don't know where you would draw the line. But, yeah, it's important that. This guy and his group, they go back to SNCC in the 60s, and he founded this group in the early 70s, and they've right. been internationalists, black communists, of, you know, exactly how you categorize them, this whole time, longer than I've been alive, and man, I got a lot of white hair in my beard here, so the idea that—and then and so what, they're, they ran for an election, they go, oh, you're—now you're interfering in the election on behalf of Russia— and now when you complain about being black in America and thinking that you're being treated unfairly, now you're sowing discord on behalf of Russia. Now, I got to tell you, I mean, as a line of crap, that's fine on MSNBC. And I'm sure all the white liberal women who watch that believe it. But they're going to try to make that stick in court against a guy right. that the same yeah, I... speech he's been given for 50 years is now sowing discord on behalf of a foreign power because he got 7,000 bucks from a Russian national who it's not even in evidence is a spy of any kind. If they say he's tied to the Kremlin, that means they're not saying he's tied to the FSB. He's not tied to the GRU. Oh, he's what some, he knows a political officer up there somewhere or something. And that's what they're going to hang on this guy. It is it as nuts as I think? Cause I'm no lawyer. I don't know, but that's what it sounds <laughs> well, like. You're telling me here. It, it is that nuts. And, and I, I mean, the, the fact is, if we lose this motion, I don't see how they could possibly prove this case because you're raising a lot of very, very good points. Um, but 
but for it's a legal matter to get a, a case dismissed at this stage, at the, you know, to get an indictment dismissed, you basically have to argue that if okay, the allegations are false, these guys are not Russian agents. It's absurd. They can't prove that at trial. But if it were true, it still um, would violate the Constitution to go forward with this prosecution. So for a motion to dismiss, you have to say you have to assuming that the, the allegations in the complaint are true. It still is an unconstitutional prosecution and a dangerous prosecution. So, yes, it, you know, it, it clearly is um, an absurdity of Russiagate uh, to try to get people to believe that these people are acting on behalf of Russia. And when you say sowing discord, that's right in, in the indictment. I think they, they use the word uh, yeah, uh, dissidents or something. But the, that's what activists do, right? I mean, Vietnam War activists were um, sowing discord in the United States. You, you make people think about their government and question their leaders and question why are we in Vietnam? Uh, you know, what is the, are we being told the truth about the progress of the war? Are we being told the truth about why we're there? Are we being told the truth about the reasons we went there? And, you know, that's sowing discord. You know, United if you States. trip out and think about it, that's a pretty broad term, isn't it? Discord. It sure is. <laughs> you know, yes. Who says there's anything negative about that at all, in fact? I mean, if you're a good activist, isn't that your goal to get people to think and question? I mean, if you're not causing some sort of discord, then uh, you're probably not doing your job as an activist. Yeah, seriously. Well, and especially if you're a black internationalist, revolutionary communist type, then it would seem like that's kind of part of the program. Right. And that's been legal for a long time. Just look at the Biden White House. They got it going on. OK, that was a joke. Uh, yeah. It wasn't that funny, but they are kind of commie. But uh, yeah, no. Um, and it, just to correct one thing. Sure. These people are I don't think they they don't identify as communists. They're okay. socialists. Okay. So yeah. I should that's thank you for that correction. I should just call them what they call themselves. It's fine, because Red Star or whatever, they're you know, they have their position and it's uh people can hear them explain it in their own words, them. not mine. You don't have to agree with them, you don't have to disagree with them. Yeah. You know, it it's about it's about pure free speech because you know, you take away uh I mean, it's almost even criticize. more to the point if they were like, you know, outright anti-American, revolutionary, commie, whatever, because even more to the point, we still got to protect them. Right. Like, even if they're Nazis, even if they're. That's true. You know, That's whatever true. They, insane politics they might have, if their rights aren't protected, then none of ours are. And of course, like you're talking about the dissident case on Ukraine is the truth. The government is, the is wrong and is doing the wrong thing based on a bunch of lies. Everybody knows that. So I think that's I think kind of important for the up. story, too, isn't it? You know, that Mearsheimer and Sachs that you quote, they're right, <laughs> you know? Right. And I think people are starting to starting to I think the tide is turning. And I think people are starting to realize that they've been misled, um, you know, since 2022. I mean, it's yeah. kind of shocking. You look at the New York Times and they don't even, I, when they talk about the Ukraine war, it's an un, unprovoked invasion in February of 2022. They don't even talk about the background. No, um, they don't try to educate their readers about the context of this war. And that's what these guys are doing. 
And I think the reason why you're right, I mean, you, you can, under the First Amendment, advocate, in theory, uh, you know, the overthrow of the U.S., I suppose. But that that is sort of a fine line, because that's that's how they got around some of the only bad Supreme Court cases that, that on free speech use sort of the communist threat. And they talk about hearings in Congress and findings in Congress that the Communist Party is is a you know, has at its core the over the violent overthrow of the United States. And that's sort of how they got around um, how, how some of the bad rulings came out saying that if you are a communist or if you're supporting the communist ideology, that that could create a national security threat. So even even if we go there, these guys don't do that. There's no question. They're not they're not advocating for the overthrow of the United States government. They're not ad- advocating for violence. Their rallies are peaceful. So this is really a very stark. I think that's why it's it's going to be very difficult for the district court judge to sign off on this, to say that, yeah, these people are so dangerous in um, basically having a political opinion about a war that's different from what the Biden administration opinion is. So I think that's what gives me hope that this case won't proceed to trial. And, you know, the Supreme Court has also been clear that just letting this case stand, having it pending, is quite dangerous for free speech. Um, There's cases, um, I think the Dombrowski case basically makes this point very well, that says just having the case pending is a message to other activists that you better watch what you say. Because your home could be raided and you could be on trial in federal court and have to hire lawyers. And um, so, you know, I think that's why this motion to dismiss is so important, even though I'm confident that we're going to beat this case if it goes to trial in front of a jury. um, I still think it's it sets a really dangerous precedent to let it go forward. Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, especially when is did I hear this right on the Greenwall show that. The founder here, uh, Mr. Yeshitela, is 81 years old? He's in his 80s. I'm not sure his exact age. Okay. He's in his 80s. And, yeah. then, and he's facing how many years in prison? Uh, 15 maximum because uh, the, the 951 charge is 10, 10-year 10 maximum, and then there's a, a conspiracy to violate 951, which is another five. And now— so, all right, listen, I mean, I know that this is stupid and wrong, but I got to pretend here. Are you sure there's nothing in their filings that say that these guys really conspired with Russia to sow discord and hurt our country or something? Like, this is really is nothing, but they took some money and kept giving the same speeches they always gave, and that's the sum of the case that they intend no, to bring to trial here. That is what they argue. They do argue that they... Uh, well, they don't say they conspired. They, yeah, they say they, they entered... That basically they became Russian agents after he visited Moscow. But, but they don't explain that in any way other than saying, well, we have a receipt that says he took some money. And then, but we're filling in the rest with our imagination that they are. They are. But they make the bare allegation. Mm-hmm. In the, in but the, they don't they, say, they, well, they Your Honor, we have top secret intercepts that show, or, but we can't tell you, but trust us or anything well, like that. What they, they cite, the, they track the language of the statute, which says they're under the direction or control of Russia. So uh-huh. after the trip to Russia, 
all the speeches, which were identical to the speeches they gave before the trip to Russia. Yeah. But after the trip to Russia, those speeches are being done at the direction or control of Russia. But so in that's other words, the allegation. So they don't have any specific allegation that they're making there beyond, well, he went there and then he came home. He took some well, money and then he had that, that is a, That's an important point because on the indictment, it's very bare bones and vague. So they don't say, well, what is this agreement that he entered into with Russia? What are the terms of it? What were his obligations under the agreement? What was the compensation they were supposed to get? Because, yeah, that's a very important point that you make. It's incredibly vague, which is why it's so dangerous. I mean, to just say, we say you're speaking for Russia under the direction or control of Russia. We don't have to go beyond that. We don't have to give you any details as to, you know, what, when did we sign this agreement? What is this agreement? What are the terms of it? We don't have to tell you that. We're just going to say that you speak for Russia, for a foreign government, and therefore we can arrest you. We can raid your offices. We can take all your computers and your files. We can make you stand trial and hire lawyers. So that's the danger. So just to so, be yes. clear here, I mean, yeah. in, the, in terms of the legal process, you – should have at least already received everything under Brady and all that that they intend to bring in their case against you, right? Like they don't. It, Correct. Okay. Correct. We so we're not like their... awaiting the final shipment of documents where they might reveal that they're going a different direction with this evidence than you were aware of before or anything. Like this is their case. The case is, is this guy's yeah. a political activist. He went there. He got some money from a guy that they say but haven't demonstrated is connected somehow to the Kremlin, which is, a, again, a funny way of putting it. And that and then that's it. And that's all you need to know. And that, Your Honor, amounts to direction. And this guy should get a life sentence now in the penitentiary and, and his two buddies, too. Yeah, that, that's it. But I just again, I want to sort of reiterate that right now we're at a motion to dismiss state. So right. we're not I'm not talking about what the evidence is, but you're correct. It's an incredibly weak case. There is no question about that. And I'm you know willing to, to say that on the record. But right now we're saying even if the allegations are true, even if they were speaking for Russia, which they're not. Right. Even if they were, it is still unconstitutional under Zhejiang. You can't, you know, just because somebody has a relationship with a foreign country, which they, they do all the time and, and do which people do all the time. And we mentioned the think tanks, but even uh, Chairman uh, Omali Yeshitela, he's probably traveled to 30 foreign government countries and aligned with them on certain issues where they have a similar ideology and they can work together. Um, and maybe they've received financial support. I don't know. Uh, but he's traveled to Spain. He's traveled to Ireland and united with Ireland on certain um, issues that, you know, were of common interest. So is that illegal? If you um, have a, some sort of connection with a foreign government and you align it, ideologically with them on a certain issue. So that's really where we're at right now. Oh, and all the Israel lobbyists the in that, the audience sweating today. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, why would they probably, but like you say, I don't think they have anything to worry about because right. the positions they take are not a threat to the establishment and to the, the government. They're not opposing wars and they're not opposing tens of billions of dollars of uh, taxpayer money going to fuel foreign conflicts overseas. Yeah. If they were, they'd probably find themselves in trouble as well.
Man, well, these people severely need the presumption of innocence going into this whole thing. I mean, this looks to me like the U.S. government really just lashing out with a vendetta here, trying to make an example out of this group that they take to be weak enough to not be able to fight back and protect themselves, and then to be able to use that precedent against all kinds of different people. You know, I was at a thing one time where a guy came up to us and said, you know, we're really going to have to start taking money from foreign governments to finance our groups well enough that we can really make a difference here. And I was like, get this guy away from me. I don't even want to know what your name is. And I don't even think what he said was illegal. But, man, I think that guy's a federal informant. And I don't want nothing to do with whatever kind of weird entrapment scheme he's cooking up against me. In fact, I'm going outside to smoke. Like I just, you know what, because... I'm rightfully paranoid about that kind of thing. And as far as I know, he was a perfectly good guy. And he was actually arguing, hey, everybody else does it. Why do you think Saudi and Turkey and Israel and UAE get their way all the time? It's because they spend so much money in this town, you know? Right, of course. So another reason I got on the plane and and came back to Texas. But anyway. Yeah. Well, but the thing is, it's really, it is not against the law for an activist group to take money from a foreign government. Now, if you're running for office, if you're running for mayor of St. Petersburg, Florida, you can't take money from a foreign national. But if you're an activist group, you can. There's no law against that. Um, And so so that's really not the issue. It's just that what what the line is, is that you can't, according to this, you can't be a, a secret spy. So this this statute has only ever been used. I mean, this is another thing that we point out in the motion. I mean, this is this case is unique. It's never this statute has never been used to go after political speech ever. Um, it's been used to go after secret lobbyists who uh, like the Rafikian case. And in fact, they went after uh, Flynn, his firm um, for having a secret deal with Turkey to try to get the um, a, a Turkish dissident that Erdogan blamed for an attempted coup um, and was living in, this guy was living in Pennsylvania. And so they hired this firm to use its connections to try and get the government to extradite this person. Um, That's the Rafikian case. So that's a a straight action item lobbyist. This, our case is, is nothing like that. This is a pure political speech case. These people have no connections. They have no insider connections. Um, their clients, are, they're not being funded by their clients in any way other than, you know, what I told you, the allegation of receiving mm-hmm. trivial amounts of money over six years. And as you say, there's no connected crime. It. Like then they had to launder that money or any kind of thing like that. Nothing. That, no, yeah. these people are, no, there's no, no allegation of fraud or, um, any sort of impropriety. These people mm-hmm. are, um, yeah, are pure activists, uh, pure ideological um, actors. And you know, the other thing that's you know that's important, you know, that you mentioned as well. I, why would why, I think the government maybe believed that this they would be easy pickings? Part of the reason is that because they're critics of both. The Democrats and the Republicans, I think um, no one really comes to their aid other than, you know, people like you um, in the media that that will shed some light on this case. But 
The New York Times has had no interest in it, uh, mainstream media, because they're harsh critics of the Biden administration and harsh critics of the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. So they don't, um, you know, they don't have a lot of a, a real voice. And so maybe the government feels like they can shut them down and um, st stop their, um, the message that they're trying to spread among their activists. Yeah. Well, listen, it's heroic work that you're doing here, and uh, you serve as a great example to others that, you know what, if people don't do the work, it doesn't get done. Somebody's got to yeah. show up and represent these people in court, or they're going to get nailed. And so it's really important what you're doing, and for all the other lawyers who are helping you and, and whoever's helping to contribute to that, it's a big deal. And because it's all of our necks up there on the chopping block, simple as that. We either have a First yeah. Amendment or we don't. Well, I say the same uh, same to you, Scott. Important work and, you know, shedding light on this because it is an important case. And if you care about the First Amendment, um, whether you like these people or not, this is a really dangerous precedent that the government would be setting if this case is allowed to go forward. So thank you for uh, for for having me on and, and your attention to it. Yep, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks a lot for coming on. Appreciate you. Okay, Scott. Bye-bye. All right, you guys, that is Leonard Goodman. He is an attorney in Chicago and a professor at DePaul, representing the Uhuru 3. The Scott Horton Show, Anti-War Radio, can be heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., APSradio.com, Antiwar.com, ScottHorton.org, and LibertarianInstitute.org.